Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 10, One Wedding and a Funeral. Mary, what happened this week? Maybe one thing of what I'm about to say. So you know how I've been running with this theory that Jack McKay isn't dead and that he's in super secret FBI witness protection or something and Tony Business is somehow in on it? Like, why would you have a photo of somebody you put a hit on in your office? They're obviously secret besties. Anyway, that phone call Tony Business made at the end of the last episode was to put a hit on the guys who actually, air quotes, killed Jack McKay so he can be safe to come out of hiding as a wedding present to Dylan. Tony with an eye on Dylan get married, and Jack meets them and trouble the cat in Hawaii. They live happily ever after with Iris and Erica, and maybe Tony Business and Christine from the FBI can visit it like Thanksgiving and apologize for traumatizing Dylan. The end. Oh, also, Ray fucks off forever. Oh my god. Better episode. Hands down. Please. Like... All I want in my life is for Dylan to be happy. And this show is just like, oh, you wanted happy? That's funny. Yeah. They're literally like, he's the only character that has not been happy. Or Ever. has been happy for two seconds and then the uh, the exact polar opposite of happy. L- like, literally, Steve says in his speech, I have known you since kindergarten and you've never been happy. Oh, my God. Until now, and then 24 hours. He got 24 hours of being this a married was an man. an episode of 24. Oh, my God. It was. <laughs> I will say, like, as depressing as this episode is, there are a few moments that are just like I, – I don't know the right word for it. So um, meta. Mm-hmm. It's like – like the the very first scene when they're at the bridal shop and Donna and Kelly are talking about like how, you know, Kelly's really excited that Dylan gets to be happy and she thought it was going to be a thing. And then they make a comment about how lonely Tony is. And they're like, yeah, isn't it weird that we're going to be the only people at the wedding? It's like, yeah, Kelly, normally in a normal world, that would be weird. <laughs> but in TV, when you're the only people who are contractually obligated to be in the show, not so weird. <laughs> I do love that they're they're not actually invited to the wedding. No one is invited to the wedding. Except Brandon, because he's the best man. And Bruno, but only because he's stepping in for Tony business. And I'm pretty sure that, like, it's that whole, like, you need two witnesses kind of a thing where they were literally like, we need two people. Right, right. Because, yeah, I did think it was weird when Brandon was there, but whatever. Yeah, meanwhile, so, like, after we learn about the who's invited to the wedding, we have to take a trip over to Tony Business's house and be reminded that they've put a hit on Dylan, but that Tony is not going to be the one to do it because this man just refuses to get his hands dirty at all. He pays people to do that. And apparently they're going to make it look like a home burglary gone wrong. Like not even anything like, I don't know. It just seemed very basic and not at all clean and tidy. 
Right? Well, and especially considering that, like, this man killed Jack McKay in a car explosion. Right. And it's just, like, home burglary gone wrong. Like, it also feels like from this first point, they're kind of setting it up to be, like, something could go wrong here. Because the guy is, like, you have to make sure that your daughter is out of the house. Right. I'm going to tell you a detail that must happen. Otherwise, throw the plan out the window. Exactly. Like, they're going ahead and putting it right in front of us that it's going to go wrong. Also, did you think that this guy kind of looks like Wesley Snipes when he plays Blade? (laughs) He totally does. Yes. He – yes. It's like I was trying to think of, like, a combination between him and and some, like, hip-hop artist back in the 90s, and I couldn't place it. But, yes, now that you say Wesley Snipes, for sure. Like, the first time I saw him, I – even pulled up the IMDb page for this episode and then just never looked at who he is and went instead straight to Wesley Snipes just <laughs> to see how close it was. But I know this guy gave me a very like Wesley Snipes vibe. Well, and he's clearly like still not even the actual henchman. He's mm-hmm. like the liaison between the mob <laughs> boss and the actual hench people. He's the contractor and the subcontractor, so the ones going into the shed. Yeah, he's the general contractor who then just has his own list of of subcontractors. Because, yeah, the next thing we see is these two men, like, pulling up in one car and then opening up a storage shed that has another car in it and then going into the trunk of the car to open up a briefcase to undo a bunch of Velcro to pull out a gun and a silencer, which, like... Ever since Mary mentioned Chekhov's gun, it's all I can ever think about. Well, that, and I was like, guaranteed this is just, this is like a crew briefcase, like like from mm-hmm. the inner workings of the crew. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> because it was very vague what all was in the briefcase. It was very dark. for the gun. <laughs> yes, it was very dark. It was like they borrowed it from some other show and then just like threw a prop gun in there. Yeah, or even, like, there's a news station nearby, and you know they have to have certain equipment. (laughs) And the one guy is, like, just has a pipe in his mouth. Like, he takes it out and just puts it in the briefcase, which tells me that it wasn't lit because you don't put fire in with bullets. Right, or any type of flammable thing. (laughs) But, like, it was was enough of – a detail that I was like, you're not good at being a hitman because right. someone could be like, did you notice anything weird about the scene? Well, there is this guy that was smoking a pipe in the middle of LA. Well, I mean, and to your point, it's like, we're sitting here analyzing if these people are good hinge people or not, <laughs> and that we essentially could be better hit people. So is that important? And as we know later on, Kinda. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like this man wanted to make as much of Tony business's money as he could, so he hired the cheapest hitman he could find. Yep. His overhead is so low. <laughs> His margin is just through the roof. <laughs> so remember how at the very beginning this guy was like, yeah, you have to make sure your daughter is out of the house at six, but that Dylan is in the house so that – this plan goes flawlessly. Literally the next scene is the gang pulling up for a bachelor bachelorette party kidnap to take both of them out of the house the night before the wedding. 
it's like um what is it it's like that leonard snart quote that's like make the plan execute the plan expect the plan to go off the roll the rails throw away the plan it's like <laughs> if you're any kind of like planner when it comes to like i don't crime it's like you have to expect the unexpected like just expect your plan not to work and this literally is what happened <laughs> Well, and it's so funny because we see this man be like, this is the plan and you have to make sure it happens. But then we don't actually see Tony Business call Tony to be like, I want to have dinner with you, just you. Like, right. we got like, here is the plan. Nobody executed the plan. So now we can expect the plan to fail. Exactly. And there's even this like slight moment where Tony's really into it and she's like, I'm going with them. You can do whatever you want because Dylan's like, uh, I don't know, shouldn't somebody be here just in case like I, I don't think we should go yeah it's like again that like throwing in a little trepidation and like <clears throat> little detail that's like oh why is Dylan so worried what what mm -hmm. does he have to does he know something it's like no but they're trying to make it real serious right now for some reason I mean the episode's called one wedding and a funeral like I feel like the writers are just being, like, so heavy-handed in some of these moments. I was about to say, for this one, for Lover's Leap, no. <laughs> <laughs> but so they go to their bachelor and bachelorette parties. And again, like, very meta, Steve is pouring shots of whiskey and then gives Dylan a shot of iced tea and goes, looks like the real stuff. <laughs> See, I didn't even catch that one the first time. <laughs> I mean, you know me. Every time I see Brandon drinking, I'm like, hmm. Like, I should just get over it. I really should. But I can't. Or, I don't know, maybe Brandon also gambling? Oh, my. God. And it was Brandon's <laughs> idea. <laughs> and he and Dylan stay up extra late because Brandon's like, one more hand. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's like betting the farm, but not his farm, Dylan's farm. Yeah, he's literally like, all right, one final hand for your bike. Yeah, like, let me call the shots here, buddy. I'm, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but like, what would Dylan get? He just keeps his bike. Like, <laughs> Dylan just gets to stay up late taking very small sips of iced tea out of a shot glass. <laughs> and... Sorry. <laughs> I forgot I wasn't muted. I mean, that just throws to the vibe, like such a funny vibe to Dylan taking shots of iced tea. So yeah, they, they pour the iced tea and then the whiskey shots, which also Steve makes a comment about like how he's got this amazing whiskey and then pours them shots instead of like a glass with ice and like sipping. Yeah. that And it made me think of too um, – <laughs> Because it wasn't supposed to be a nice whiskey of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Brooklyn Nine -Nine episode <laughs> when Jake goes to drink with, who was it? I don't remember who it was, but they have whiskey and Jake just takes a shot of it instead of drinking it. And the other guy just goes, uh, that's a sipping whiskey. <laughs> He's like burning and choking <laughs> and gagging. <laughs> it was It was all so weird. Like, Steve pours all the shots, and 
He says he's going to give the first speech, which ends up being the only speech. Right. And he makes all these, like, comments that are so very Steve of, like, I'm glad that you went first so that we all have a better chance with girls. Right. And that was so on brand. Yeah. Also hilarious because he's the only one that's not in a committed relationship. Exactly. But then he, like, kind of gets real serious. And, yeah, he says, like, we've been friends since kindergarten and this is the first time that you've been happy. Which is, like, such a downer thing to say at someone's bachelor party. Yeah, like, as a toast. Like, here's to your one time of true happiness. Yeah, like, I feel like I get the sentiment they were going for, but when you start with being like, you've never been happy. Like, yeah, be like, wow, thanks, guys. Well, and I also wonder, like, when Dylan and Brandon are playing poker, because we have another scene, which we get to in a sec, where we go over to the girls, but... Basically, like, Dylan and Brandon are the only ones staying up. So I'm like, where's Steve and David and who else was there? I th- I'm forgetting someone. Are you? Was Colin there? Joe. No. Ray. Was it just the four of them? <laughs> I think it was just the four of them. Okay. I thought it was crazy. Like, I thought I was thinking, mis- like, remembering. Anyway, where did Steve and David go? Did they go to sleep early? Did Steve pass out because he took shots of sipping whiskey? That would be my guess. They did show the empty whiskey bottle on the table. So David and Steve are passed the fuck out somewhere. Yeah. So I did see that. And like, yeah, I had that same moment. I was like, who drank all this whiskey? Because also let's talk about how David also has drug problems and probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be drinking. Like. I'm pretty sure by the end of the show, everyone has a drug and drinking problem. Like, I mean, we are more than halfway through the cast right now. Yeah. So. I mean, speaking of drinking, we do go to see the girls at the bachelorette party because like Steve makes this comment about how he wanted to hire twins and blah, blah, blah. But Brandon shut that down. But then you go to the bachelorette party where they did hire dancers and they are in these like lull gold shorts and they are all greased up and they are just dancing on the coffee table for again, like four women. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It felt really weird, but they are hammered on champagne. Like Donna drunk on champagne is like my new favorite recurring moment on this show. It's like a, re- yeah, it's a recurring theme that Brandon loves to gamble and Donna gets white girl wasted on champagne (laughs) she gets so drunk like someone makes a comment i think it's kelly brings up her mom and she's like i don't want to talk about my mom i'm so glad she's in europe let's drink (laughs) yeah she's like uh why would you bring her up (laughs) and like that is not an exaggeration no how she (laughs) talks and then like claire brings out like cigars (laughs) which like Okay, y'all do you. I don't think cigars and champagne go well together. I also really don't think cigars and smoking indoors go well together. I was going to say, like, a worse pairing is just the fact that they're doing it indoors. Yeah, they're all going to wake up tomorrow and just have, like, disgusting, like, cigar breath, and it's going to be in their hair and in everything, and they're going to show up to this reception just smelling like cigar because you cannot get it out of the furniture now. Oh, Lord. And while everyone is having this amazing time, the the time for the hit has passed. So this man calls Tony 
and literally says like, there's a problem and then goes to tell him the problem. And then Tony goes, wait, 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 wait. there's a problem. <laughs> well, and what kills me too is like Bruno walks in, definitely overhears what Tony business is saying, but doesn't really like react, I guess, because he's so just like excited about Tony getting married tomorrow. And so they don't even really get to, like, we don't even get to hear the rest of the conversation for Tony and his general contractor. <laughs> and because then he hangs up the phone and Bruno is just like a little schoolgirl, just so excited. And he even says, are little girls getting married? I know. And like, Oh, it was so adorable. He wants to drive her to the wedding tomorrow, and he loves her so much. And all I can think of as this scene is happening, I'm like, there's no way that Bruno is ever going to forgive Tony Business for what he's doing because if this hit were to go off the way it was supposed to and he kills Dylan, like, everyone's going to know who did it. Bruno mm -hmm. and Tony are just going to, like, run away from Tony Business and – I would actually also love that for them. Well, that's the thing. Like from the beginning, Bruno has been like known as Tony's Tony with an eyes protector. Like I'm pretty sure that's the exact word that she uses when she first says, oh, that's Bruno. He drives me around. You know, my dad, you know, wants him there for protection, for my protection. Right. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like and definitely the clues have been given throughout this entire like last probably four or five episodes that Bruno is like has more loyalty to Tony with an I than he does Tony business. So you're hundred percent correct. Like if he finds that, like if, if the hit were to happen as planned and Dylan dies, like there's no way in hell Bruno would stay with Tony. First of all, or sorry, Tony business. First of mm -hmm. all, Tony with an I would be absolutely devastated and never want to talk to her father again. So who's going to be there for her? Her protector, Bruno. Her second father, yes. arguably the better father figure in her life. Like I would not be surprised if it were to go off the way it does, which, you know, Tony business's whole plan here is to kill Dylan to win Tony with an I back into his life. Yeah. But like Tony with an I and Bruno would probably like, follow through on her plans with Dylan and move to Hawaii and just like be a newfound family together. Sure. I would love that for them. Right? That would be Get so Get away cute. from the toxicity. Like you don't need this. I mean, quite literally in the next scene or maybe like two scenes from now, Kelly tells Tony to get out of Beverly Hills and get away from everyone. Yeah, literally, like, uh, you know, we talked about Dylan and Brandon staying up to play poker, and the only thing that's notable there is just Dylan telling Brandon that he's the best friend he's ever had. But, yeah, it's like the next time we see the girls, they're all, like, staying the night, so they're having a sleepover. There's some stuff about Donna that I do want to get to. Mm -hmm. But Tony, like, walks up to Kelly thanking her for the evening and how much fun she's had. And Kelly's actually awesome. Like, for as much shit as we've given Kelly – for the last like seven episodes, she's great here because she says, well, hey, they're all your friends now, like Dylan's family. So that means you're our family. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't seem jealous at all. She doesn't seem like she's still holding a candle for Dylan. But she even admits to Tony like, hey, you know, Brandon told me what happened with Dylan's dad and all that. And yeah, she gives her a like big warning and it's like, 
you guys need to get out of here. Get as far away from here as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I will also say while Brandon and Dylan are staying up late playing gin together, like Brandon does tell Dylan, like, stop thinking about like wanting her dad dead. Like you just have to move past it and Tony is worth all the trouble that you're going through. Yeah, for sure. So like they are laying this groundwork that like everyone is on board for Tony and Dill and they want them to succeed. They want them to get as far away from all of this trouble that's in Beverly Hills as possible. And I don't blame them. Like, no, absolutely. I know they're your best friend and, and, you know, long friends, but it's like for your safety and your happiness, like you just, you got to go. Well, and yeah, it's not like Dylan would even be the first one to leave. Like, you know, Brandon mentions all the people that left him later on, but like, yeah, Brenda goes to London because it's the right thing for her. You know, Andrea leaves because it's the right thing for her. Dylan leaves because it's the right thing for him. Like, I want nothing more than for these people to be happy. Totally. Which is not the case yet for young Donna. (sighs) Yeah. Ray literally shows up to the beach apartment because he says he saw the light on. Which, like, he's showing up to the beach apartment in the middle of the night and just happens to see the light on. Like, that tells me he's stalking now. Exactly. Like, now it's escalated. Therapy has not shown him that he needs to, like, stay away and work on himself. It's showing him for some reason that he needs to fight for this even harder. Yeah, he's arguably using therapy as a weapon, right? Like. His next comment when he wants to talk to Donna, because this time they do try and say, like, you're not welcome here anymore. You can't come in. And he convinces everyone to let Donna come to the door. And he tells her, like, look, I've been in therapy two times a week. And, you know, I know I was really selfish, but I don't deserve this. Which, again, is pointing the finger at Donna and trying to make himself be the victim. And he even makes a comment. I think it was right now. Right, where he's like, I miss your friends. And she's like, you hated them. Yeah, which as soon as he said that, I thought the same. Like, Donna didn't talk fast enough for me to have the thought. (laughs) And, you know, good on her. She does, like, she gets a little aggressive, but she's like, I will close this door in your face if you don't leave. Like, She's also drunk. Like, I mean, he's also just invading her personal space. Like, I understand her being upset right now and, like, Mm -hmm. yelling at him. She has every right to in my mind. Well, totally. And then he, like, takes it a notch further and, like, threatens her. He basically says, if you don't take me back, I'm going to make your life miserable. Which is absolutely setting up for what happens, like, in the rest of the season. Like, I have no doubt that Ray coming back into Donna's life is going to be huge like next because we just yeah this is the end of an arc so we've got a new Mm -hmm. one coming up and it would not surprise me that it's donna yeah for sure i mean at this point like i just don't understand why donna doesn't get a restraining order and i don't know what all that entails so i could just be ignorant on how easy it is or what the process is but at this point i think like legal action needs to be taken Right. And it's the same thing. Like, I have no idea what all goes into that. I don't even know if that would do anything to Ray, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it would set a standard that might make her feel more comfortable. I don't know. I, I definitely think if they don't already have an alarm system on the house that they need one. 100%. 100%. 
Yeah. And that's like the last thing that happens that night. Like Tony and Kelly are the ones that get left in the kitchen. And that's when Kelly says like, you just need to get out of Beverly Hills. And then they all go to bed. In time to wake up for wedding day. Wedding day. Oh my gosh. It's such a cute scene. Like this scene, I know, like we know that Tony, like her mother is no longer here. Mm -hmm. So to have girlfriends, and I know we were joking about it being meta earlier, but to have (laughs) like some women in her life has got to mean so much to her, right? She starts the scene off by reading the inscription that was detailed to her from her mother's Bible about how it was passed down, you know, for all the women in their family um, on their wedding day. And that's her something old then kelly and donna are like guess what we got you all the other stuff with the something new the bouquet something borrowed donna just like freely gives her (laughs) her first communion necklace and then of course the garter but all that to say like it's just such a meaningful thing you know it's it's always nice to see women supporting women and especially when you don't expect it to be so easy you know yeah i mean Kelly has not made it easy on us in the last couple mm-hmm. of episodes, but like she is all in on this. Like she's just ready for Tony and Dylan to be happy and she's going to do whatever that she can personally to support it. Yep. And then we're over at the Walsh house because Dylan is getting ready with Brandon who is reading out letters from all of the people who could not be there. I was a little sad there was no Andrea Zuckerman mention. Oh, right. But Jim and Cindy send him an adorable little telegram to which he responds like, you know, they're just glad I'm not marrying Brenda, right? Which is hilarious and I love it. And probably so true. But then Brenda had sent one too and it was weird. It was weird, but I also thought it was very Brenda. It's like this is another time where I feel like they were being very meta about it to be like, you know, Brenda is going to be happy for him, but then she is going to mention the Brenda Kelly triangle. And that she will always love him. Like just to like put a little salt on that Brenda wound that never quite closed. And especially with like how this episode ends, they can be like, but is that triangle still a thing? (laughs) Yeah. Find out. But I'm just happy at least that we see basically Dylan's family, you know, Mm. in this case, reach out, congratulate him, talk about how proud they are of him, all of that. Like, that's just so sweet. I'm glad they added that in. I love it. And I love this idea of like found family because they make a comment, you know, Tony earlier that they don't really have a lot of like biological family around or left, I guess, in their case. But they have this whole found family. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nice because, yeah, it's like Dylan and Tony, albeit, you know, messy, messily, both know what it's like to lose a parent. Mm-hmm. They don't really have siblings. I know Dylan has Erica, but, like, he only knew about her a year ago, right, mm-hmm. or two years ago, however long we've been doing this now. And it's not – they just don't have large families, like you said. Mm-hmm. And – they're not used to having people care about them. They've always kind of had to be alone and lonely and loners and all that. And just people rising to the occasion, you love to see it. Yeah, which like honestly means so much more because Tony Business shows up at the beach apartment. Like Bruno drives him over there, which I'm sure 
Bruno had no idea what exactly was about to happen. Yeah. But Tony Business shows up and immediately tries to talk her out of the wedding. Which I feel like is right for Tony Business. And I'm actually a little annoyed that it was too on brand. Like, I'm looking at this actor and I'm like, okay, I can see you have range. Let me see it. Because he's always portrayed as this, like, kind of quiet, low voice, Mm -hmm. intimidating kind of guy. I need to see him get emotional. And it doesn't mean crying. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, I'm going to blubber. It's whatever that means for him. But, I, I like, I need to see the range, right? Because I know it's there. The potential is there. And I just was hoping in this moment it was going to be a little turned up. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment because, yeah, like, he's just very quiet and, like, that same low, threatening person But, like, this is his daughter. This is his baby girl. And he is willing to murder someone over her. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you'd think he'd do something here other than just, like, this marriage is made in hell and I will not watch you go through with it. Yeah. It just felt a little too, I don't know, business as usual? Too too Tony business? Not enough. Tony dad. (laughs) Which is probably (laughs) the point because then – Bruno shows up. Oh, my God. And Bruno is just like, I am so sorry that happened to you. I'm going to walk you down the aisle. Let's go. Yes. And then I think he even says, or like, Tony's like, what about my dad? He's like, oh, he can get a cab. I know. <laughs> That's See, what I'm saying. Bruno's loyalty for Tony with an eye knows no bounds. I love that so much for him. Like, I seriously, I just want him to, like, fly down to Maui with them and just be like, you guys need some security? You need a driver? (laughs) I would love it. Like, he could just – he could drive limos in Maui. I'm sure that's a thing. He can be a bodyguard. He can be a whatever he is. Yeah, just go be with them. Hang out with them. Babysit their kids. God, I just wanted them to be happy. Oh, my God. And then he does take her to the wedding, and it's literally – it's just Dylan and Brandon and the pastor, I assume, uh, and then Bruno and Tony. And Dylan hired a string quartet, and as soon as she shows up, he just, like, points at them. But their backs are turned. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That was the one goof I was like, ooh, they can't see. (laughs) But it's okay. It was – it was fine. I, I yeah. brushed past it. Oh, yeah. And they have a beautiful five-minute TV wedding ceremony where yep. their vows to each other are Dylan saying, like, I was always running to something. And then Tony being like, you don't have to run anymore. Yeah. It was, like, only a one-sided vow, really, you mm-hmm. know. But it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> we do learn that Dylan's middle name is Michael. So. I know. And Tony's. <laughs> And Tony's middle name is Elizabeth. Which whose isn't? <laughs> Seriously, I think like probably 70% of my friends have Elizabeth in their name somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. I didn't get an Elizabeth. Yeah, I got the second most popular one, so <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, they did it, kids. 
they're married. They got married. It all went off without a hitch. And so now far. it's time. Yeah, so far. And now it's time for the reception with all the friends. And Val's hair is giant. Did you so see big. it? So it's big. So it, big. It was back to like Kelly Kapowski if Kelly Kapowski had short hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of The Nanny now that it's on HBO. And like the hair. As soon as I saw her, I was like, what show am I watching? <laughs> But, like, yeah, they're all toasting, and Dylan has water. I just – I look at it because, yeah, Brandon, drinking champagne. Continuity is important, and I feel like (laughs) we appreciate it as viewers more when it's also, like, taken with care. Like, obviously, like, you're doing this shit, like, for, you know, six to nine months out of the year, and you're probably overloaded with ideas – you forget what happened in season one. Mm-hmm. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed that Nat was there, and I'm pretty sure Nat definitely provided the food. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, I'm pretty sure he's even the one that's like, hey, let's go eat. Like, and he Dylan's is ready. Like, to- I need to talk to my wife. I love it. I love that he calls her wife. I love because this, I don't know about you guys, but this definitely happened with me. It's like, I love when people get married and they can't stop saying wife or husband or whatever. Like, it's just, I don't know what makes it so much better and cooler than girlfriend or boyfriend, but it just is. It's everything. Like, (laughs) so I love when TV shows do that. And Mm -hmm. And who knows if it was like Luke Perry adding in wife whenever he could or whatever you know how like some shows have pet names like Mm -hmm. those definitely aren't scripted like nine times out of ten so you wonder like okay was that luke perry calling rebecca gayhart wife and is my heart exploding (laughs) right and like i i do kind of lean towards it maybe it was because she doesn't say husband a lot but he says wife multiple times a lot the rest of the episode I know. But he he takes his wife aside and he wants to know like, hey, noticed your dad wasn't at the ceremony. Do you want to talk about it? And like she's very honest with him. She's like, look, he showed up at the beach apartment. He basically said he, you know, tried to talk me into not going through with this. And I don't care. We're together and that's all that matters. And then they get to go be happy and adorable together for a little longer. Well, and it's so wonderful, too, that I think the fact that Dylan just checks in, you know, like mm-hmm. understanding that all this stuff has gone down with him, but it's still her dad, and she can't just turn off those feelings. Even though she has pledged lo- loyalty to Dylan, she can't just turn off the fact that, you know, he's her father. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's willing to check in on all of this is so adorable, and then the fact that she was so honest with him was everything like oh that's why I get extra mad about this storyline because even though it's only been a couple of months that they've like courted and then gotten married it's such a healthy relationship even Mm -hmm. if it was founded in an unhealthy way right like it was it was a vengeance plot until Dylan realized oh wait Tony Marchette's um kid is a girl (laughs) you know like I don't know. It's just such a very healthy written relationship. And I mm, mm. I just 
I kind of wish I could be like a fly on the wall when they're like to the point that they can joke about how they met. And he can be like, well, I went to your class because I thought you were going to be a boy. And then she's like, did you not see that it said Antoinette? <laughs> like, he's like, um, when I said I had your class schedule, I really just got a glance of it and then had to <laughs> move on. <laughs> I put very little effort into this vengeance plot. Yep. What is it? Write the plan. Make the, the plan, plan. Execute the plan. Expect the plan to go off the rails. Throw away the plan. <laughs> exactly. That's like the title of this episode, basically. Right. Oh, my God. If Leonard Snart's line becomes the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, they're adorable on the cliff. They go back to the reception. We don't really see the rest of the reception because the next thing we see is them back at the house and like I cannot get over how all in everyone went on this wedding and their relationship because like some of the friends went to the house, left them a little note on the door and then went inside and like lit a fire, put some candles out, put some flowers up, like very dangerous, total fire hazard. <laughs> but really romantic moment for Dylan and Tony to come back to when he carries her over the threshold and then they dance together in the living room. And it's so sweet. And they both are overwhelmed with, like, the fact that they just got married and their friends have been treating them so well with all this and all of that. And, of course, in this moment, I had a funny po thought pop into my head. I'm like, oh, my God, Tony's still wearing her veil. How has that been fully intact for, like, <laughs> however long? Meanwhile, my veil gets ripped off before I even get up the stairs <laughs> oh i remember yep my dad when he hugged me he accidentally ripped off my veil and then was like what do i do with this and just sat down <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i remember that oh, which i, I had no clue i had no clue whatsoever i didn't even know i was missing a veil until my dad was like i'm so sorry and i was like oh all right <laughs> like no big deal well, yeah, because I mean, at that point, like you see Nate up at the altar and like your hair is like so locked in with hairspray and pins mm -hmm. and everything. Like I didn't have a veil, but I imagine there would be no way you could feel anything on the back of your head. No way, Jose. <laughs> yeah, they're like fully intact and just like adorable. We get some slow motion effects going on with their kissing. Like they are really leaning all the way into dylan and tony forever they are leaning in heavily on like romance mm -hmm. just so much because we go to the walsh house where i don't know i guess everyone is like spending the night or like going for a, a cup of coffee before they all go home i don't know but susan and brandon are in the kitchen and Susan starts asking how he feels about Dylan getting married. And he makes the comment of – this is where he says, like, all of these people have moved away from me. Like, Brenda, Andrea, my parents, now Dylan. And Susan's like, well, I'd like to stick around for a while if you don't mind. Which is super cute. and Adorable. This is also that they start kissing. And this is also, like, how I know <laughs> that they're good for each other because he doesn't try to eat her face and they have very compatible kissing. <laughs> Oh, but I loved him being like, mm, mm, mm. Okay, but I actually did. <laughs> no, I did. And she like giggles about it. Right? Like there's so, like, please don't break up bruising. 
So why would I, they? They can't. Also, <laughs> I fully believe that in addition to making Brandon remake her bed three times, she also taught him how she likes to be kissed, and he listened. Oh, that totally fits her character. Fully on board with that idea. Like, absolutely. I love it so much. <laughs> and then we go into the front hall where Donna and Joe are sitting on the stairs because Donna has caught the bouquet and they're like not weird about it, but it's also totally on brand for Donna to have caught the bouquet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If Kelly would have caught it, she would have just like tried to sidestep if it was coming for her. <laughs> but yeah, like Donna caught the bouquet and like Joe, yeah, to your point is like not weirded out by it. And this makes Donna think that her luck is moving in the right direction, which is a good reaction to have, not, I'm going to be the next get married, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like most people would. But then we get a little snippet into Joe's backstory, where he so, says he was almost married once. Yeah, And like, I know that this is a soap and Dylan just got married at like 21, but I genuinely at this moment was just like, how old are you, Joe? Yeah, because first of all, you're a college quarterback and you said it was with your high school sweetheart. But, like, presumably you're the same age or maybe, like, you can only be up to two years older than Donna, right? No, this must have been, like, we were planning to get married at 18 and then, like, we got engaged on graduation night and she already had a trip planned or I already had to go to, like, you know, football camp with uh, California University and then they meet back up and he says like the whole reason it didn't work out is because she changed over the summer and she started hanging out with a group of friends that like he didn't see eye to eye with, which again kind of makes me think of my like theory from before that Joe is a virgin and maybe she's getting a little too wild. You know, that right? adds up. Right. Okay. Like. I have been wrong in my theories before, <laughs> well, but I'm telling you. Most ya. of our theories are either they like oscillate between way too out there to even be remotely possible, but we would want it to happen. And then the other side is like, no, no, this has some merit to it. This could actually happen. Right? Like, I, I'm just waiting to see how Joe and Donna work out. I'm still, you know, a little sus of him, like, you know, making this idea of like, we stopped seeing eye to eye. There was also a part of me that was like, duh, you're 18. You change. Right, right. Like, don't start acting like this is all her fault. You also separated for a while or like, sure. you know, did your thing. But whatever. And then we go to the living room where Kelly and Colin are. And like, Kelly's talking about how she's tired, but she's so like, Seeing Dylan and Tony get married wasn't as hard as she thought it was going to be. And that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it's another chance for us to see Colin kind of being mature about this. Like, understanding that Dylan was probably Kelly's great love, which also, what about Brandon? I just have to point out, like, <laughs> it seemed like she loved Brandon more than she loved Dylan. I, Anywho. But he's weirdly been cool with the fact that Kelly and Dylan has or have a relationship. And it's nice that he checks in, but I also think it's probably selfish on his end, too, to be like, 
you still like, are we still good? You're still into me. Like you're not wavering, you know, that kind of thing, which Mm -hmm. who could blame him? That insecurity would probably run pretty deep. Well, and if she's said anything about how many Mm -hmm. people she has cheated on or behind with Dylan, like, yeah, I would be like every couple of days be like, I love you, Kelly. (laughs) Remember that billboard I got you? Yeah. (laughs) He like weirdly starts working out. No reason. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to go clothes shopping? Do you want to like pick me out some shirts? Yeah. Do you want to style me? I can't pay for it. You're going to have to pay for it. But, you know, I want to dress the way you want me to dress. (laughs) I'll do whatever you want. Can Kelly please pick him out some shirts? The white shirt he was wearing in this episode was just a huge box, and he just looked like a head (laughs) and a square. So I definitely had a moment at the wedding where they, like, are, you know, panning around the group, and it was, like, Donna, Joe, Colin, Kelly, and Joe and Colin standing next to each other. I was like, I have no idea who they are. Who are these people? (laughs) just extras for the day (laughs) it took me a minute I was like what who I mean it is interesting like that's another OG you know we'll get to that at the end but it's another OG that's not gonna be around and we've suddenly got Ray and Colin and Joe and Val Val. you know like it is kind of crazy yeah but you know we kind of cut ahead it's been the wedding night Presumably everybody goes home. It's the next afternoon, as Tony so helpfully tells us. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But they wake up, and Dylan goes, good morning, wife. And I melted. He, like, we were, we are so deprived of Mary Dylan era. I know. Like, he's so snuggly. He's so adorable. His little hair, like, even in the back, sticks up a little. Like, Dylan McKay was meant to be married. Absolutely. Which this Matt, what, I never get it. What's his quote? Uh, Mad, bad, and dangerous to know. (laughs) Like, who would have, like, started here? Like, that's what I would put on Twitter, right? Like, I would put a, 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 a tweet that has the picture of him in that scene. Like, who knew we would go from mad, bad, and dangerous to know to good morning wife with his little hair sticking up like are you kidding me oh my god he's so cute and then like this is about where I started to get on edge because he's so happy and I mean we've had the wedding which means there's only one thing left right and the doorbell rings and they don't move he's like they'll go away and then it rings again and she's like you should go answer it and I was like Dylan don't go answer the door nobody answer it yeah for sure But it's okay because it is Steve and Nat with a giant room service platter to bring them a celebratory meal. Like, I'm sorry. I've never seen Steve be this selfless before. I was losing my mind. I was like, this is not the Steve that I know. And this is how they keep doing it to me. Like, I get so angry at him for what he does. And then he brings me back in. I guess it's like. Because, yeah, he's a grade-A asshole most of the time, but he's also the only one goofy enough to, like, go along with this stuff, you know? Mm. It's like, who oh, else yeah. would it be? It's not going to be Brandon. It's not going to be David. No, because I really feel like this was Steve's idea, and he went to Nat, who just loves to feed everyone now that Cindy is gone. 
Exactly. And they went all in on it. And he, mm-hmm. like, even tries to, like, hug them and, like, kind of hang out for a minute. And now it's like, we got to go. We put but the food down. Adorable- let's leave is like he goes to kiss Tony and he does and then he goes to Dylan and he's like come here <laughs> I know Ugh, I love it and then they like sit down and my cart my guard is like kind of lowering and then the phone rings and this time it's Tony business yep he says he's like made a mistake and he wants Dylan to go to his office or whatever. Well, at mm. first, see, I thought he said them, like both of them, to go to Tony's because he has a surprise for Tony. Mm-hmm. But he really, he just wants Dylan, and Dylan tries to say, like, I'm not going to do this. But Tony, with an eye, hears him and is like, we got to keep trying. We got to let yeah. this man be in our lives if he wants to be. You really have to go. And... Like, even on the other side of this phone call, Bruno is there and Tony Business is, like, straight lying to his face and is like, yeah, I got to, you know, mend fences if I want to be able to see my future grandchildren. Yeah, he's like, the kid's annoying, but I got to make it work for the grandkids or whatever. And Bruno's all excited because he's like, oh, my God, I don't have to choose, even though the choice, like, there is no choice. Like, I would always choose Tony with an eye. But it's at this moment that... The general contractor walks in to make and, the new plan. And I love that this plan, like, he comes in and he's like, yep, we're totally going to kill the guy today. Like, And Bruno panics. He's like, what, what, what? Like, he overhears it, runs out, and almost has a panic attack. And like, oh my god, I I loved every minute of this. Like, not, it was very stressful and it was very sad, but like, Bruno immediately calling them to try and warn them and Tony like having taken the phone off the hook so that no one would bother them yep and like Bruno basically is like I can't leave because I have to keep an eye on Tony business that I know what's happening but I have to warn them so that they're safe Mm -hmm. as he's just like stuck in this little hard place and like you can just feel the emotion and then of course it's sandwiched like around the probably cutest thing I've ever seen Dylan McKay do and that was bite her freaking chin. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Mary Dillon like, is the best Dylan. He just, she's talking and he does the classic guy thing of not paying attention to just bite her chin. And she does a little squeal. And I'm like, that was not in the script. Do all of it. Again, don't cut. Nope, we're rolling. We're rolling. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> They're just so sweet together. And like, you know, she makes this comment that, she hasn't seen the cat in a while, and he's like, oh, I haven't seen her either. And she's like, you have to go find the cat because it's going to rain, and she could get sick. And, like, to his credit, he does. And he essentially, like, is out looking for this cat for, like, an hour and a half. In the rain. In the rain. Because we kind of, like, have this quick jump forward in time where Bruno's looking at his watch, and it's 530. He still can't get a hold of Dylan. So he decides to call the Peach Pit looking for Brandon. Which is a smart move. Beautiful. And, like, he is straight to the point. He is like, Brandon, I do not have time to explain anything. Tony put a hit on Dylan. Go find him. And Brandon just, like, zooms out of there. I was so scared that he was going to get into a car accident. Same. Because, like, it's dumping rain. And tires are squealing and... It's just, and we, yeah, we've just had a bad history lately with like car accidents and things. 
And Mm -hmm. then we jump back to the McKay house. Dylan's back inside. He hasn't found trouble, but oh my God, a metaphor if ever I heard one, (laughs) but he's going to keep looking. And Tony just like, she wants the help, but she doesn't want to go in the rain. So Dylan's like, look, I'll keep looking. You go, you go meet your dad to get whatever present he wants to give you. And then to, like, just make absolutely sure that she's as obscure as possible, he gives her a raincoat that is going to completely cover who she is. And it's Dylan's raincoat. And it's going to be Dylan's car. And she goes to leave. And, like, very specifically, they show her getting the keys. They show her walking out the door. And, like, it just – it. It goes from there. I mean, Brandon shows up and tells Dylan what's happening. They go to look for Tony. Ed get there pretty much as this guy just drives right in front of her, forcing her to slam onto her brakes and just, like, unloads into the front seat of the car. Like, yeah. Just so many bullets. And there was only one per. There was one person behind Tony, like in another mm-hmm. car. Like that's the only witness, because then as that person's driving off, Dylan and Brandon make it there, and Dylan pulls her out of the car, and just collapses to the ground, screaming and crying and holding Tony and this guy, this witness that was behind her when it happened, is in complete shock. I mean, Brandon is just standing there because what are they going to do? Like, they don't have cell phones. They don't have car phones in their cars. Like, Brandon's driving that tiny little Mustang. Like, what are they, what are they going to do? They can't do anything. I mean, she's presumably – we don't see it because obviously it's a teen television show, right? Like, mm-hmm. But presumably she got hit plenty of times to where there's no way. that, Like, even if they did make it to the hospital, right? Like – yeah. There's just nothing that they could do. And the parts that got me was when Dylan would say, Brandon, why? Yeah. Like, because we saw him react to Jack's death and yeah. kind of a like, oh, my God, like, 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 what is happening? But then this time he has somebody with him mm-hmm. and he just looks at Brandon. He's like, why? And it just... It was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, I mean, this is the second person that Dylan has gotten into his life where he feels like he could be truly happy and they die in a horrific attack. And I mean, literally, like the next thing we see is the funeral. Mm -hmm. And somehow Tony Business has been allowed to attend this funeral and I do not understand how he makes it in and out without getting hit by somebody. Right. And I think, you know, honestly, part of it is because just before they go out there, Dylan tells Brandon to not tell anyone what happened. And, you know, because like, he wants to handle it himself. And Brandon kind of snaps on him. He's like, what? Why? Like, what are you doing? Why won't you, like, tell the police? And Dylan basically just says, like, doesn't matter like nothing I do is gonna bring her back yeah I just like 
the, the fact that even Bruno can be mm-hmm. near this man right. blows my right. mind. Totally. And like, you know, they finish the the like actual funeral ceremony and Tony goes to leave and Dylan goes to talk to him. Like off on the side, he's like, I have some unfinished business. He follows Tony, who then blames Dylan for Tony's death. He's like, if it wasn't for you, I'd still have her. It's kind of that thing of like, if it took one person, you know, to like separate or sever these ties, you never really had them to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if it just took Dylan, it could have been it could have easily been another boy at another time. Yeah. And I mean, to Dylan's credit, like he holds up really well here. Like Tony gives him a gun and is like, do it. Just just kill me. Just do it. And Dylan says no. And he says that I like the killing is done and he walks away. And now Tony Business has to live the rest of his life with the knowledge that he is solely responsible for his daughter's death. Yeah. And then so Dylan goes back to his house and he's trying to pack up and he's alone and he is like barely holding it together. And you hear this like tiny little meow outside and Trouble is back and she's safe and Dylan opens the door and picks her up and loses it. Yeah. Like it was he, so sad. He is just crying on the floor with the door open and the cat is a cat and it's like I don't want to be held. Leave me alone. And Dylan is just Oh my god, I was so mad. There's not a single friend that came with him. Like even if he doesn't want them there, I feel like Brandon has to do something. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it should have been Kelly. Here's why. When he got back to town, or when she got back to town, she was the one that went with him to the storage locker. Okay. She was the one that kind of kicked this whole thing off with him. I think she should have been there with him. Not in a romantic way. Don't kiss. Don't do anything. Just they're the oldest friends there. Like, but yeah, someone should have been there. And I would have, like, I don't care what they're doing. If they're doing dishes or, like, putting a stop on his mail or vacuuming, I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. be in the house with him because I feel like, you know, when it comes to this kind of thing, when it comes to, like, death and stuff, like, you're going to feel it hardest when you're alone. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. And, like – Instead, everyone's at the peach pit just, like, talking about how life is fragile and bad things happen to good people, and I was just annoyed. I was just taken out of the moment, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I we didn't need to see their reaction because it, it just kind of skipped over, you know, all of the sentiment, mm-hmm. right? Because then the final scene is Brandon going over to Dylan's where – He's basically packed everything up that he can that can fit on his motorcycle, including trouble. Mm-hmm. And he is planning to leave. And I swear in that moment, in those last lingering shots, 
Like, that was Jason Priestley and that was Luke Perry. That wasn't Brandon and Dylan. It was the actors. I mean, like, seriously, credit to them because that was so, like, Dylan just gives Brandon his keys and is like, we make sure that everything's locked up. And then Brandon just stands there while Dylan drives away on his motorcycle for literally the last time. Like, this is the last we see of Dylan McKay for a long time. I mean, just their little, like, handshake. They're holding it. They're shaking it. Like, like it's an extended handshake, right? Uh, yeah, and especially, yeah, knowing that this is Luke Perry's last episode, presumably for forever, like – I, I feel like they've got to be like, I'm not going to see you every day, man. Like, yeah. I'm going to miss you. It's your bud. And which, they were apparently really good friends. Which, like, not to totally change the mood, but literally while we were recording last episode, I was like, Dylan's on the show. He's going to be here forever. Like, if anyone ever needed evidence that I do not look up spoilers, <laughs> you're welcome. Hey, I even remembered that he leaves, but I didn't remember it was this early. Like, literally, he drove off and I was like, oh, no. And then I looked up when the next time we see him, which is a total spoiler. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> but, like, I genuinely was like, well, we're only on, like, episode 10. Maybe he shows up at the end of the season or in, like, 10 episodes. And, like, you know, he has to go through the grieving process, but we always see Sad Dylan. That's true. That's a good point. But no, that's, that's not the case. And I had no idea. And now I'm incredibly sad. And like, I was sad when Andrea left. I was very sad when Brenda left. But I am pretty destroyed that Dylan is leaving. Again, it's like the whole dynamic is different, right? Because mm -hmm. Jim and Cindy, Br um, Brenda, Dylan – Andrea, they were all literally part of, like, building the friend group. I know. And now we're stuck with Colin and Ray. I, I can't with the idea that Ray made it to the cast, like, the main cast, and we lost Dylan. Like, how is that a fair trade? I'm sorry, Jamie, but yeah, it's not yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, nothing on you, Jamie. No. Like, nothing. You don't The character. <laughs> Yeah, it's the character. But yeah, it's just, it's the changing of a guard. And I mean, you know, anytime a show goes a long time, you're never going to keep everybody. Mm -hmm. But you just feel like Shannon Doherty and Luke Perry are two pretty big ones to lose. Yeah. And I mean, not to make another Legends reference on this episode specifically, but when we lost Leonard Snart, like, that hit me the same way. Bro, we lost him so early, too. <laughs> I know. But that's what happens. I don't look up how long people are on shows, and then I get sad. Yeah. So, do you have a quote of the week? I do. Okay. And it's a good one. It's like a positive one. It's not, it's not a really sad one. Let me go back up to it. Well, um, the I only wrote down sad quotes or like the fight that Tony and Tony have 
So the only thing I wrote down that was not sad is when Jim and Cindy send Dylan the telegram and then Dylan says, you know, they're just glad I'm not marrying Brenda, don't you? That is, in fact, my quote of the week. <laughs> like, I had to just say it because that's like the only thing I wrote down. Also, that's not sad. <laughs> it's not. It's like. I loved it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mary? What do you have for um, this week? I wrote a few down. Um, I wrote Dylan saying, you're the best friend I've ever had, Brandon. Thanks. My heart. Oh, sweet. That is sweet. And good morning, wife. Oh, yes. I seriously, I was waiting for her to say good morning, husband, back to her or back to him. And like, I know why she didn't. They were in like a moment, but that's John and I call each other wife and husband. So I was just like, do it. Say the thing. (laughs) And um, so I wrote this down, and I didn't know what it was until the ending happened, but I wrote down the last words that Dylan and Tony said to each other. She says keys, and he says, gotta have them. Oh, man. And I was like, writers, you did that on purpose. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, the fuck? Ugh. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, guys. Like, this one, this one really, this is, like, one of the few that have really just, like, hit me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, like, I can always tell how an episode's going to be by, like, how much I write and how I write it. Mm -hmm. And this one was, like, two pages, tons of spacing, because it was all just, like, in all caps of, Bruno is going to walk her down the aisle, or Dylan says, good morning, wife. Like, only the emotional moments. I had no, like, I had a little sass, but I didn't have a lot of sass. Yeah, it's like the amount of quippiness decreases mm-hmm. the more, like, effective the episode is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was really good. Well, there's clearly a reason why it's the highest rated episode of the season. Mm. Mary, did you have, like, a specific moment from this episode? Um, the one I put the most asterisks next to is Dylan finger gutting the string quartet to start them <laughs> playing. Because it legit was. It was like a He was hey. just like, hit it. Yeah. Like, go violins. I'm getting married. I want that in a GIF in my life. Oh my God, if only. I'm going to learn how to make GIFs. Just for this. God. Okay. Well, <laughs> Caitlin, what's next week? Next week, we have season six, episode 11, Offensive Interference. Football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be like Joe Donna Ray, right? I don't know. Yeah. I think it That's has what to I'm be. You would think. Yeah. If it's football, it's got to be Joe. Yeah, I mean, watch it be like someone starts swearing and they're like, swearing's not cool. Yeah, or like somebody goes to a comedy club and like gets offended by some of the jokes. Well, or like something Val could be coming up pretty big because she's barely in this episode. Like they never show her and David doing anything together. They make a very like 
pointed comment about her not being at the bachelorette party because she had to go to work. Mm -hmm. So something big for her could be coming up. That's a good point. Oh, man. What if she wasn't in the episode because she was preparing to direct this episode? Now I need to know. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Don't tell me yet. Okay. I Yeah. We'll find out next week. Uh, And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email if you'd like with any of your questions, your comments, your thoughts, or your concerns at back2podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate and review and subscribe. All those things really help us get seen. You know, they help us build a community. It's really easy to do in Spotify. You just go hit the little five stars. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, We'll give you a shout out on the pod and we just really appreciate that from you. So until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.